Welcome to the Digital Workflow Dentistry Podcast Series. We help dentists adapt, adopt, and advance in the world of dental technology. For more information about upcoming lectures, webinars, and podcasts, please go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com, at Instagram, at Digital Workflow Dentistry. They say that eyes are the window to your soul. Let Legend Graphics provide you visually stunning art prints, canvas photo prints, banners, and so much more. Whether it's for your home, team, or business, we can create a design for you virtually. Visit www.legendgrafix.com. Good afternoon, dental internet world. My name is Dr. Vishal Sharma, and I'm once again here at the offices along with my friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Parchewski. Mike, it's good to see you. How's everything been? So far, so good. It's good to see you as well. And good afternoon to all of our listeners out there. Uh, as you can see, maybe in the background, we're into a snowstorm outside. And so we're happy to be inside offering you our podcast today. Everything for us has been going good with COVID and good with our offices. Um, everything's coming along very well with the new PPE standards and with our team. Um, it's a new normal, I guess you want to call that. I don't know if we want that phrase much, but Anyhow, that's that's us. How about yourself? You know, much of the same. Uh, I live in a condo, so no shoveling any sidewalks, which is uh, which is nice. Uh, we're getting back into teaching, which is exciting, but some seminars coming up. And that's actually a great segue to discuss a colleague of ours who's here with us today, who is a worldwide expert on zirconia, also gives presentations on Strawman implant technology and the prime mill technology with Densply Serona. So let me introduce you to a good friend of ours and colleague, Dr. Belinda Dacey. Wally. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. It's uh, pretty cool to be here and uh, join you guys. I've been a fan of your podcast, so I'm pretty excited to f be part of it today. Well, we're going to be priming you with some questions, no pun intended there, on uh, chair-side zirconia restorations. Obviously, you've turned into a major expert on it. I've seen some of your work. It's phenomenal. Um, and this is great because my area of expertise, Mike, as you know, has mostly been Emacs. And that's been a material that I've been gravitating to over the years. It's something I'm quite comfortable with. But we're starting to make that transition to zirconia. And the gentleman to my left is the primary motivating factor around that. So, Mike, before we start asking Wally some questions, uh, what's your exposure to zirconia? How often are you using it? Are you doing anything in the anterior? Uh, talk us through that, please. So that's uh, a good question. So for us, zirconia has been typically in the past has been one of those materials that while it's very strong, uh, there was often troubles with color matching and also the crowns being hard to bond and with some of the new materials and the new bonding techniques that we're going to hear about today, I think that has made zirconia now not just a, a secondary choice for those clencher grinders, but a primary choice in a lot of the things we're doing today. As far as in my practice goes, we've done quite a few posteriors. I've even had some of those crowns milled over at uh, Dr. Desi's office. Um, and we've done some single anteriors, but no, no, no full anterior cases or anything. And, and uh, in the past, we've done some full arch stuff where we did... Um, Emacs on the front and then on the back we did the zirconia but that's so far been my extent we're more just like I said adapting to that and um, you know and one of the things I've been doing is just not only following uh, Dr. Desi on on Instagram to see some of the new stuff he's doing with the zirconias but you know trying to get more involved in it myself. Yeah historically obviously anterior aesthetics with Emacs was thought to be the best method and of course posterior strength with zirconia but as Dr. Dacey is going to point out, uh, those two are now married and we can use single materials to accomplish all of that. So Wally, before we jump, jump into the exciting world of dental materials, 
Uh, how have you been holding up over COVID? You've got two beautiful downtown or uh, peripheral downtown practices. How's everything going with those? Yeah, it's been really interesting, uh, to say the least. We uh, opened up one of the offices back in April for emergencies uh, only, and so we were quite busy with that. And then once, like everyone else, once we got open, it was kind of the fear of the unknown, you know, the fear of, you know, will people even want to come to the dentist and all that? And I think you guys can probably attest to the fact that we were not only were we happy to see people, it's been really busy since, and we've had a, uh, a great steady, uh, you know, build of uh, new clients as well as old, and it's been really good. So, you know, we're happy. People feel safe in the dental offices. I think uh, I just saw a recent, uh, you know, article put out, there's been zero transmission mm-hmm. of COVID basically across the country. And uh, and we're seeing that worldwide with talking to our colleagues in, you know, other countries and stuff like that, that uh, the dental offices are safe. They're probably one of the safest places to be. They have been safe before this. Of course, yeah. And they're certainly safer now than ever, even with us taking precautions uh, above and beyond, which were, what were really great standards to begin with. So I'm really happy. Um, I'm, I mean, COVID, the whole being away from it and shutting down for those few months really showed me how much I love what we do. And I was really happy to be back doing it. And I've, you know, since then, you know, working all the time, not traveling like, you know, I'd love to, but but grateful every day that I could get to go to work and do what uh, what I absolutely love. And obviously some major advantages now with uh, chair-side dentistry. We don't have to jump back and forth between appointments. What else have you had to change? One of the things that I've noticed about your practice is that there's no more canally pants being worn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's interesting. Uh, in the past, we always wore, you know, dress shirts and dress pants. And, um, you know, I put on a pair of scrubs for the first time in 16, 17 years. And I realized how much I loved wearing scrubs. And then, uh, you know, of course, I bought a, a, a kind of a nicer set. Uh, it looks a little bit cooler. I ended up buying a pair of Jordans to wear. And and I love it. And so the funny thing is when we were uh, talking amongst our business partners uh, at Trek Dental, we are talking about, you know, in the future, are we going to consider, I'm, like, there's no way you're ever going to uh, have me change out of my scrubs. That, they're a permanent <laughs> fixture in my practice. And I love it. I'm really happy with them. So you're wearing Jordans? You know, the story behind the Jordans is that they were on sale. They were not supposed to be. And I got my very first pair of Jordans in my whole life. So there's a documentary that's going to be coming out regarding Wally's dentistry. It's called The Last Tooth. So uh, keep your eye out. I think HBO (laughs) picked it up. It should be captivating, I'm sure. Um, Also, further to that, uh, Wally runs a phenomenal uh, Instagram site, At The Dental Wine Guy, where he combines his knowledge of aesthetic and cosmetic dentistry along with his advanced knowledge of wine. Uh, Wally's on a sommelier track, and being friends with him, I know that my personal wine expenses have gone up considerably because of that friendship. But Wally, talk to us a little bit about that Instagram account and uh, specifically about the wine component to it. Yeah, you know, the Instagram social media thing has been really intriguing, uh, you know, for dentists. And, and I follow a number of dental accounts and uh, and you know just to encouragement of others i just decided uh uh it'd be fun to share my two passions which was you know dentistry and wine and and you know the funny things it's funny how they two have nothing to do with one another but uh you know it's just interesting like you, you just share what you love it's sincere it's authentic it's just my passions and you can see sometimes i share a bit more dentistry other times i share more wine and 
And it was interesting the following because there's there's the dental community followers who as dentists we tend all love following one another, supporting one another, learning from one another. And then there's the wine side, and there's a lot of people who are in the wine community who follow it. And then of course, you know, then they start seeing the other sides, and so it's been really fun. I love it. Um, you know, there's been you know for the first time I'm finally you know seeing people actually come to the office because they learned through my Instagram account. So that's been really cool. Uh, but more than anything, honestly, I just it's fun. I just love getting to share something that uh, that are both my true passions between the hours of eight o'clock and four o'clock. It's dentistry, and then after that, it's wine. Yeah, and you know, I've noticed on that account, uh, I actually think that it wor- it works quite mm-hmm. well together. And the reason I think is it's a very you're showing distinctive you know tastes in wine and and the cases that you're showing I think are are very elite uh, cosmetic very distinct cases with really um, nice photography, and uh, so I think it kind of works nice. You've got your little monogram on the bottom, uh, so I think you've really done a really nice job yeah. on the on the account putting the two together. And yeah, you know, for me, it's okay, like, which wine am I going to buy? I'll just scroll on there in your store in the store looking through your account. And yeah, so if anybody wants to check that out, that's at Dental Wine Guy. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really think that's uh, has been a neat, neat add on. Um, now in your in your Instagram account, I did notice that you're also were doing some during COVID some zoom meetings uh, with wine tastings. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, what's kind of uh, interesting is that um a good friend of mine, Dr. Press Shaw, out of uh, Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba. There, you know, he kind of got a number of dentists together throughout the uh, throughout the country just to get these social gatherings, and and a few of them knew that I was really into wine, and so he decided to you know start by hosting one night a wine tasting with these dentists across the country, and they just picked a couple wines, and then we just went through wine tasting. They actually thought it was really really fun. Uh, there's a, a dentist down in uh, Denver, uh, Colorado. Uh, her name's uh, Alexandria. And, uh, she goes by the dental psalm, actually. So she's kind of really interesting. Her and I are very uh, similar in that she has a you know deep passion for wine. She's actually a certified sommelier as well, mm-hmm. and she's a really deep passion for dentistry. And even our you know, the type of dentistry practice is very similar. She's very aesthetic-based. Our training is really similar. So just her and I got along really well. And, and so just for fun, we put on a, uh, a couple of these, uh, you know, you know, Instagram live conversations around wine. We kind of introduced a little bit of dentistry in it and it was good. Like I was actually thinking, I don't know if anybody's going to bother to tune in, but for the good thing for us is that it's uh, it's something we love. And so it was really easy to sit there and talk about and And, uh, and yeah, we got great feedback. So the funny thing is we get all this great feedback and we're like, oh man, we should start doing these all the time. And of course, just work is so busy mm-hmm. life's busy with the kids and so we just haven't had the quite the opportunity to uh, come back but I, I we're probably going to revisit it here pretty quick in the future and try to come uh, do the whole tooth and wine thing together on the instagram live yeah, yeah. it's a great concept yeah. and it's certainly well done one of the other things that i've noticed uh, on your instagram account is that you really emphasize a new piece of technology from dense plicerona the prime mill so we're familiar with the, the prime mill mike and i have talked about it in a previous episode on the podcast can you give us some insight, Wally, as to what some of the new features coming out on the Prime Mill will be? Yeah, I mean, so for me, like I've been a CEREC user since 2005 when we were with the Red Cam. And then from there later on, you know, in 2009, 2010, the Blue Cam and eventually the Omni Cam. And, and you know, it's for me, it's been a really important staple in my practice. It's something that I really enjoy doing. It's one of the things that, you know, I love dentistry and this is probably one of the more important aspects of just that integration of technology and just experience for just not only the dentist, but the patient. 
the prime mill is interesting because for years, you know, that's why Sorona had this incredible mill called the MCXL. And even to this day, that mill is still mm-hmm. incredible. Very few things exist in dentistry that, you know, will last 10, 12, 14 years with needing virtually no changes because they're so well designed from the get-go. And that was the MCXL. And to build on that, that's where the prime mill now is introduced. And the prime mill is now the, the newest mill, which is just now basically uh, uh, hitting all the different dental practices. And so really it's about efficiency and it's about accuracy. Um, and it's about a much easier user interface because what happens is that really Dentsply Serona heard from a lot of the dentists that they want to make sure the team members can easily learn how to take care of this machine, how to load blocks, how to maintain it, do all these type of things. And what it meant was just having really user-friendly interfaces that guide you through the process, um, scanning technologies, RFID technologies. So just mm-hmm. things that made sure that the right block was loaded and the machine pretty much double checks everything for you. And, and like I said, but the, where it really excels out of anything, and there's nothing in dentistry like this. It's ability to mill zirconia in under five mm-hmm. minutes and dead accurately, absolutely accurately. And we're talking about high quality katana zirconia, zirconia uh, zirconia, Ivoclar's, uh, you know, uh, Zircad Prime zirconia. I mean, we're talking some of the best zirconias out there that can be milled so quickly and efficiently. And it makes now that appointment that was already fantastic even better. Yeah, Wally actually did a online presentation. Um, I believe it was 60 minutes that you had a live patient where you were able to prep, uh, deliver a zirconia restoration, correct? Yeah, and, and so for us, like it can be done quickly. That's It's interesting. So I'm still booking more time because I still love my time with the patients, interaction with the patients. But certainly, you know, you know, we've run into instances where you know, they were booked for one crown, but they actually, they should have been two. It's funny. We don't even have to book any extra time because of how quick and efficient the technology is. And, um, but it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I love, I love using the new prime mill. It's, it's made my excitement even higher if that was even possible. So for the, for the Cirrus users out there that haven't gotten a Speedfire oven and Zirconia going, um, so we're, we're hearing milling times about five minutes or under five minutes. What about the time in the oven? Is there a difference between an Emacs in the oven and one of the zirconias? Yeah, good question. And I think we, we should we'll, we'll, we'll touch a little bit more about Emacs because it's one thing, it's really important for people to understand. Glass ceramics, you know, particularly the lithium disilicate or the lithium silicate glass ceramics are amazing. And they still will have a place in dentistry for a long time. There are people who still will exclusively use it. I exclusively use that for years and years. Mm-hmm. In terms of the you know the whole workflow with uh, with Emacs is that we did have to put it in the oven for about fifteen you know sixteen minutes or so, zirconia and, and that was called a crystallization phase. This is a little bit different, and that has to be sintered. And up until now, sintering has been you know would take anywhere from as little as eight hours all the way up to sixteen hours to fully sinter zirconia. And it's Densply Serona who introduced induction technology to bring that time down to eighteen minutes. So when you look at the comparable in terms of uh, Emacs versus uh, Zirconia, you're looking at very comparable times. In fact, we find the Zirconia probably cools a little quicker. So it's pretty much a wash between the two materials. So you certainly still need that post-processing, like the post-mill processing of either restoration. But uh, 
yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's incredible that we can sinter zirconia. And in terms of, do we give up any physical properties when we sinter zirconia that rapidly? And the research has shown very clearly zero degradation of any physical properties on any of the zirconias, whether it be the three Y zirconias, four Y or five Y zirconias, that they can actually sinter that rapidly without giving up any quality at all. And is there a differential when you're um, going to be milling a 5Y more aesthetic zirconia versus the stronger 3Y? Is there a time differential? Not really. Not that I've noticed. Because really, so the two zirconias we primarily use in our practice are Syrac zirconia by Dense Blessorna. So that's your high strength 3Y zirconia. And then you have your Katana uh, zirconia, which is a... To be honest with you, I was always under the impression it's 5Y, but I, it may actually be a 4Y zirconia. So here I am supposed to be this expertise on this, but I actually I think it may be a 4Y zirconia. But either way, it's a more aesthetic zirconia. Um, a million times about identical between the two, and sintering times are virtually identical between the two. One just having more like inherent strength properties, but then you're giving up aesthetic properties. And, and then the other one, of course, giving up a little bit more strength, but much more aesthetics. So yeah. the um, on that note, just for the people out there, can you explain a little bit more about, because what we know is that the it's basically a structural change in the zirconia that allows us to have the strength but better aesthetics. Um, can you kind of describe to us what the 3Y, 4Y, and, and that entails? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give a and, quick... And most importantly, where yttrium is mined and what the mining process is specifically <laughs> for it. So, and should we invest? So yttria, ox- so yttria oxide, it's basically a stabilizing agent used uh, in zirconia and so what it happens is that when you're going through phase shift if we have more uh, yttria oxide so the 3y actually when you hear 3y 4y 5y it refers to essentially the like the mole weight of of the yttria content so when you have something that's 3y it actually has less yttria oxide versus 5y has more so when you have more yttria oxide essentially you have more stabilizers so it allows for there to be more of a shift into that cubic phase, which is a more translucent phase, essentially. And so when you when you do that, that's where we get the aesthetic properties. But when we have more yttrioxide, we do end up giving up some of that strength. So, anyways, like what people just really need to know is that five Y means it's higher yttrioxide. Just so that means we have more uh, more zirconia in that cubic phase, and which essentially means more translucency. And, and that's that's basically what it is. And the strength aspect, I think, for the Katana, it's still over 700 megapascals for biaxial for actual resistance, 1,100 for dense plasterona. So still stronger than Emax restoration. It is. And, and it, we're still finding, like, so the interesting thing is it's really complex in the in the nature of materials of, like, flexural strength is something we've always, all as dentists, like, how strong is it? How much, how many MPA is it, right? Mm-hmm. But there's, it's actually a lot more to it than that. So the one thing we will find over time is, you know, like, the fact that it is stronger than Emacs, you know, what's the clinical rele- relevance of that? Is there something else that we're giving up? Because the one thing is that zirconia generally has always had the benefit that it can be cemented. Mm-hmm. And whereas Emacs, if you cemented Emacs, you give up a lot of strength. So Emacs technically should be always bonded. Well, these are this is interesting now with the with the new types of zirconias, that if we're cementing them, are we giving up certain uh, you know properties? And right now the preliminary answer is no. But I just recently heard from uh, you know from the Karari Symposium that that technically you should be bonding those. They do actually believe we may be giving up certain uh, strength properties as well. So. 
like I said, it, it, zirconia is interesting. I, most dentists like zirconia, a lot of use them, but we've got to be careful because there's different types of zirconias mm-hmm. and we have to be careful how we handle it, how we treat it. Uh, and, and so really the most forgiving of them is the 3Y, but it's also the least, you know, the least aesthetic of the bunch, right? So Yeah, so recently um, on your Instagram account, you had a, an amazing anterior aesthetic case you did with zirconia. Um, looks stunning. Can you, uh, did, was that uh, lab fabricated and can you, like, how did they um, create the, that kind of aesthetics with that? Yeah, and like, I mean, I love the CEREC. For the anterior stuff, I do think there's a lot of artistry involved in it. And, and for me, that artistry is best in the hands of, you know, in my case, I'm working with a master ceramist. His name is Ahem and he's over at the Orem Group. And, and he's just exceptionally gifted at it. And he's just his ability to manipulate the material and to give these just stunning looks. So I love zirconia. So in those particular cases, we use Zircad Prime by Ivoclar. It's a wonderful material. And what, what's unique about that material is that when we talk about 3Y, 4Y, all these different types of zirconias, they're one of the few materials that actually blends them. So the, the interesting thing is that uh, more closer to where the, uh, like the incisal area, they'll use... Uh, five Y zirconia so that there's more inherent aesthetic properties but as you get closer to like the gingiva all of a sudden it's four Y so there's a lot more strength and so so it gives them the best of both worlds and so the material is multi-shaded as well so then on, t- on top of that as being monolithic you have different shade built into it so now all of a sudden you you have a lot of cool things that you can do with it but but zirconia in the anterior is interesting it's definitely getting to the point where it's really promising and really looks good but glass ceramics really have had the most beautiful natural look. And I, I'm not sure zirconia is quite there yet, but but this is probably the closest we've been. One of the big things what we find ourselves doing is I love monolithic restorations. Mm-hmm. Monolithic restorations, we're not worried about the veneering uh, ceramic breaking off, which was a big problem in the past with zirconia, which, by the way, is no longer a problem. It used to be a big problem. It was just because of not understanding uh, using principles for PFM were applied to zirconia and they didn't work, right? Veneering ceramics that worked for PFM didn't work for zirconia, which we found out the hard way. Everybody at this probably table has found that out the hard way. But going back to this thing, was we do micro layering sometimes in our aesthetic cases. So what that basically means is that just on the facial surface, we will micro layer feldspathic, like translucent, zirconia, sometimes on the face, facial of it, if we believe that the benefit is significant. Because with any time you're putting a layering ceramic, you are taking some risk that at some point it could delaminate. But again, it's really important to work with labs who understand the materials really, really well. Because if they use a correct correct ceramic, the layering ceramics, and if they, or the veneering ceramics, and they use a correct methodology, and it is, it is a bit technique sensitive in terms of how they cool it and how the materials work together, that you can get incredible fusion of these. So when you see the zirconia cases on the anterior, we are using, in some instances, micro-layering mm. to give it just a little bit more depth. And then that's where, like, AM is able to just create beautiful restorations that, honestly, like, when you see them, you'd never believe these are zirconia. And so talk to us about the uh, non-anterior aesthetic restorations that you're processing then, Wally. So in terms of how you're finishing those restorations after they come out of the prime mill, are you pre-polishing? Are you glazing? What are the indications? And then I'm sure our listeners are going to be immensely interested to hear your protocol on bonding zirconia. It sounds like you're 
gravitating away from cementation. Yeah. And so, so what most dentists have never seen is what zirconia looks like when it's milled, right? So they come, generally labs get them in these pucks. In our case with the CIRAC, we end up getting these in blocks. But if you see it, it just looks, like, it almost looks like chalk, right? And, and and so that's when zirconia is, this is in its pre-cinder state. And when we mill it, it's actually like, you know, very weak. I mean, if you drop it, it could easily break. That And it's also quite large. It's 25% larger than your actual finished crown is. What happens is that in on the side of the steric user, we can polish at that stage. And we call that stage the green phase, right? So that's where it's pre-centered, it's large, chalky. We find the polishing is very quick and easy to do. We use a Meisinger polishing kit. Um, you know, the uh, CDOX has a really nice kit put together with all the necessary polishers. And so what we find is when we, we, we polish at that stage, when we go to center, we get this restoration that is very, very highly polished and it's just a bit of finishing polish. Now, the interesting thing is, is that we talk about zirconia. So for again, those dentists who've been around long enough, we were always ingrained in our head, zirconia is bad against opposing dentition. We know now that is completely false. What's really important that is that if zirconia is polished really well, it's as gentle to opposing dentition as natural tooth structure is. And so that's where they're finding that the best surface for zirconia is a polished surface. Glazing is nice because it can give you a little bit of a nicer look. But even if you glaze, you should technically go back and polish the surface. So what we find is that we can polish these restorations using a really simple polishing process. And my assistant is really, really good at it. You know, this week she's so, it was just, I remember her kept on like showing me her crowns are polishing. And honestly, they look glazed. Mm. So what we find in the posterior is we're not glazing really anymore. We just don't see the benefit. Actually, I think it really does very little if you polish well. So it's really important to get a good polishing kit. And again, just get quick. You can get really efficient at it. It shouldn't take too long. And then from there, we're going ahead and putting them in. So that's where we're able to maintain the efficiencies. We get these beautiful looking restorations. And, and we don't have to glaze because glazing will be another cycle if we decide to do that. It's about another 9-10 minute cycle. It's not the end of the world if we decide to do it. But I find it's really of little benefit. So if you were uh, or when you do delve into anterior uh, zirconia, would you be glazing at that point? I would. And and we do play around with it like, because the thing is depending on different patients. Some for just for fun we'll do it. it for anteriors, it definitely can uh, help it look a little nicer. But anywhere, they, uh, you know, any adjacent teeth. So if your lowers are, you know, you know, including with the lingual of that uh, of that thing, I would be polishing those surfaces. So on that uh, note, um, let me just ask one question too: Is you talk about the polishing um, being critical on the uh, zirconias? I've also heard that tissue contouring to abutments in zirconia are far better polished than they are glazing, and that tissues will actually adhere to the zirconia surface on the abutments. Have you seen that as well? Uh, absolutely. When we're doing abutments now with zirconia, we're polishing it, and, and you're seeing, I mean, it, like polishing has so many benefits, but absolutely, they're actually seeing, you know, uh, the ability for, you know, soft tissue to essentially create a like a seal around that because there's attachment to these polished surfaces. So we're finding zirconia to be such an incredible material. The more we play with it, and it's funny, I mean, you talked to me two years ago and I, I liked it, I didn't care so much, but the more I dwelled into it, the deeper I went into it, the more I'm just like in love with this material and and uh, and it's become 
very quickly a tremendous part of my practice for these type of reasons, for sure. And I think one other question I know I want to get in um, while we still have you is, so you talked about bonding and cementation. Um, and the, there's so there's two ways to do that. Can you just give the listeners, because that's one of the big questions people always ask is, well, how do we bond or what do we do with the, the zirconias to get them to, to hold? Yeah, so first of all, we've got to clarify what is cementation, what is bonding. So t- right now, majority of cementation is done through like glass ionomers, right? So in some cases, either Fuji or 3M has like Relax looting, and they're great materials. They're really, really good materials. So when you look at traditional zirconia, so these these three Y zirconias, uh, the one that's probably you know the most used throughout um, the industry, those can be cemented with those very reliably, no different than a PFM, and and, and there's actually really good research that shows cemented zirconia. The failure rates are insanely low. I know Rella Christensen showed a six-year, uh, it wasn't a long study, but a six-year study showing, I think it was like 99% oh. success rates or even, I think it might even be 100% success rates. So so cementation is really nice. It's easy, for especially if you're doing two appointments. A lot of dentists like that. Oftentimes, they don't have to anesthetize their patient. So it's forgiving and it's good. And I think that a lot of dentists should still consider doing that. I The one thing that even I was, I never really understood this is that zirconia can be bonded. What's crazy is that it can be bonded as well as glass ceramics. So when we're using glass ceramics in restorations that are very adhesively uh, based, meaning that we're not worried too much about resistance retention, we're more about bonding to enamel. It's interesting the whole time that I thought, well, zirconia can't be bonded. Well, it's completely not true. It can be bonded equally well. And so the the whole reason this all came up is because it all happened because when initial studies on zirconia, when they try to bond these things, they follow the protocols that they would for glass ceramics. So in other words, they would take hydrofluoric etch and try to etch the, in, the surface of zirconia. And when they put these on microscopes, if you use the glass ceramics versus uh, the zirconia, on the on the microscope, especially these SE, these uh, SEM studies, they would find tons of this micromechanical roughened surface on the glass ceramic, and zirconia virtually zero difference. Then they would take the priming agent, which was silane, and they apply it to both crowns, and of course they found tremendous bond strengths with glass ceramics with zirconia zero difference. And so then they always made this assumption, particularly here in North America, that you just can't bond zirconia. And really, there is principles that have been around, and they're not new. They're only just now getting notoriety and, and being exposed. But uh, but uh, in Europe, they were bonding zirconia for a long time. And so over here on this side of the ocean, uh, Professor Marcus Blatz, who is a, a professor uh, over at uh, Penn State, um, he, came, he described what's called the APC technique for bonding zirconia. So that's why, again, it's important to understand that they're, just, they're treated differently, right? So you can't treat... Zirconia like a glass ceramic. So A is standing for air abrasion. So you have to take uh, air abrasion unit. Now, the nice thing about it is very forgiving. So if you're wondering, like, do you have to have exact, you know, dimension, like how big is your aluminum oxide and how many, how much pressure? It's actually very forgiving. You know, for us, we use prep start. I actually have a different uh, air abrasion unit in my other office, but uh, we just set it at around 43 PSI or something like that and 27 micron aluminum oxide. And you're just kind of holding it, you know, probably one or two centimeters away and and you're just at a 45 degree angle 
just aerating the interior surface of the crown it doesn't take more than 10 20 seconds to do that and that's how we create our micromechanical retention so what hydrofluoric etch does for the glass ceramic this is what it does for zirconium so that's how we create our micromechanical retention and the other thing is the primer silane doesn't really work on zirconia but the best primer and there's actually a number of primers out there by the way um, but the primer that seems to have the most effective uh, uh, use on zirconia is mdp and so now we have a bunch of uh, availability of this the one i use is by bisco it's called z prime it has mdp in it i'm a little bit leery of the primers that have both silane and, and mdp and this is the part i and again I, this is where i i'm just I get this information from others, so I hope I'm not misconstruing it. But my understanding is that the two primers are stable at different pHs. So when you have a, a priming agent that has both, it likely means that one of the primers may not be stable. And I understand, if I understood this correctly, and I hope I'm not mistaking this though, is that oftentimes if it has both MDP and silane, the pH is not correct for the silane and the silane may not be that effective. So for me, we just use silane on glass ceramic, completely separate system. And we use, we use, um, uh, Z prime or MDP primer on zirconia and it's confusing in dentistry because I was always under the impression that the all-in-one bottles sometimes are not as effective as the separate ones and I just saw recent data that actually contravened that it actually showed that uh, they were getting incredible bond strengths with like monobond for example by Avaclar so it's a tough I don't this is where sometimes you hear one thing and then you hear another it's always tough so the users just typically have to do their own research I still like using separate silent I like using separate uh, things and the last thing is if you're going to if you're going to bond zirconia an APC air abrasion primer and the C stands for composite cement so they mean specifically dual cure composite cement um, again because we have to be careful if we use light cured cements we don't know how much the light penetration through zirconia is it's always important to use a dual cure cement with zirconia so that's what we do um, again as a CEREC user we always our, our, our patients already anesthetized for yeah. us to take that extra step to literally bond these is nothing it takes hardly any time now for those of you who want to uh, introduce Bonding, like I, I'll tell you a system I really like. This is kind of what I'm leaning towards. And I think a lot of users were like this. Karare has Panavia, right? So Panavia has been around for a while. So right now they have, and they have different types of Panavia. So this is where there's always confusion because sometimes one manufacturer will have so many different systems and people are like, I have no clue what to use. I think for a lot of people that Panavia SA, which, which stands for self-adhesive, um, it's a really promising system. And there's, there's one big reason why. So number one, it actually has MDP in its chemistry. In fact, Karari had the patent on MDP as a, uh, as a primer, so they've been able to use MDP longer than anyone. So they have more research. They know the material better than anyone. So you have this Panavia essay, and what I like about it is so those who like Unisem, those who like SpeedSem, and those... Mm -hmm. Because you are bonding, but understand you're not getting as strong of a bond if we go into like a multi-step system. But you're still getting a pretty decent bond, and you do want to make sure you have reasonable like retention principles. But you get a really good quality bond, and it's very, it kind of meets the whole cementation protocol. Yet we're still getting bonds, so that's why a lot of people like those type of the self adhesive cements. But for those of us who like maybe like introducing bond, what they did with the system is that you can use Panavia SA on its own, or they have Karari actually has a quick bond where you literally apply bond for like two seconds. It's not like, you know, you have to scrub it for 20 seconds or anything like that. It's a two-second application. Hit it. You just literally air dry it. And now you put your Panavia SA, and it increases the bond strengths by 50%. 
So now I like that system. So if I'm worried that I need more bond, I'm using the quick bond. But if I'm like, you know what, I think this is good. I got good resistance retention. And those of you who are doing, you know, using lab, uh, laboratory fabricating, you're temporary, you had no problem or anything like that, you don't even need to do that. Just go straight. So this is kind of a nice best of both worlds scenario. That's probably what I would lean towards for most people. And last question on chair-side zirconia. Are you modifying your preparation designs with that material now that we are able to bond? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like our goal is to preserve as much enamel as possible. So when we're bonding, the main advantage of bonding is a preservation of tooth structure. And so oftentimes it means that I, because if I'm really concerning myself with resistance and retention principles, particularly on posterior teeth, it can be tricky. So you're oftentimes making sure you have adequate height and all these things. So you're ending up having to prep down to the gingiva or sometimes subgingivally just to ensure you get enough gingival height, sorry, uh, uh, preparation height so we can get proper resistant principles. But when you're bonding all of a sudden, now I'm not worried about that. And I find bonding way easier on on like for example second molars because i don't have to worry about dropping my my uh, mm. my uh, uh you know my margin so deep and especially then as a cat cam user it's so easy to scan you know super gingival margin so there's so many advantages to bonding and i like doing it when we can i know for some users if you're temporizing these it can be tricky when you're trying to you know be really conservative the temporaries can be a pain in the butt because then they're dealing with patients coming off and stuff like that. But really, you look at you, know, you look at all the data. You look historically. There's been so many people doing it. If we can predictably bond these zirconia restorations and we can preserve healthy tooth structure, you're probably the patient's gonna be better off long term on it. Yeah, I know. In uh, previous podcast, uh, Vishal had talked a lot about the fact, and, and I never had kind of put it together that a lot of the design structure for prep design was based on temporary staying in place. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. It kind of blew me away because, you know, as a CIRAC one crown, you know, one appointment user, we're, I'm not really doing temporaries. Um, and so you never really thought of it that way that, but actually you think about it, if you're always doing temps, you know, you have to think in your design about the temp design mm -hmm. so that that's not coming off and you're getting this person coming in for four times to get this temporary cemented. Um, so it is really interesting um, that we can that we can doing these in one appointment without having to send zirconia out to the lab mm -hmm. that you can actually be more conservative in your design, not have to worry about about the temp design. Now, you two guys have a you know are have a great relationship together uh, professionally and and uh, outside of dentistry as well. And some would say you two are sometimes quite competitive. And even to where's this going? Even to the even to the point where you you may be very vocal about your opinions on things. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to take a veer to this segment I call Wally versus Vish. And so we're gonna ask a couple quick questions. It's called the speed round here, where we're gonna just give you guys give quick one or two second answers on these topics. Here we go. And, and so do we just have to chime in or you're going to ask us directly? Well, I'll throw it out and you guys chime in. Okay. So first thing, Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers. Calgary Flames. Oilers. Okay. Italian wine, French wine. French, Bordeaux. Yeah, tough one. It's always, it's my mood, but lately Italian. Mr. Barolo over yeah. here. Uh, yeah. Okay. Filet mignon versus ribeye. Ribeye. Filet. <laughs> <laughs> you see where I'm getting at here. 
Japanese versus Irish whiskey. Japanese. I think we're both going to pick Japanese. Okay, Wally, and I, have, Wally yeah. and I were actually in Tokyo a little over a year ago on a culinary and whiskey tour, uh, and it was just a phenomenal trip. So Japanese whiskey. Yeah. Okay. So we have one thing in agreement. Titleist Pro-V, Callaway Warbird. <laughs> well, Titleist Pro-V until I found out from Michelle that I'm a shitty golfer and that's the wrong ball to use for a shitty golfer. So sorry about my language there, but uh, so I guess Callaway. Okay. Pinnacle. I'm an, I'm an economical guy. I don't worry about the compression strength of balls, so pinnacle. Another key important one for the listeners out there to help them make decisions, win Las Vegas or Cosmopolitan Hotel? I'm a Cosmopolitan. I really like Cosmopolitan. My my business partner and, and good friend, Dr. Jan Jaffer, that's his place. So every time I go there, that's where we are. And I've, I've fallen in love with Cosmopolitan. You know, you, you can't go wrong with either, but uh, I'm, I'm going to gravitate towards the Encore win property. Yeah. Okay. And, or, ho- and hopefully but, we get back there fairly soon. Yeah, you know, I, I sorry to make make people get anxious to get back to Vegas. How about Porsche versus Ferrari? So I used to have an Infiniti G20 back in dental school that Wally will remember. It's, I think 134 horsepower and had 17 inch alloy rims. So I'm gonna go Infiniti. Yeah. <laughs> He's going right outside the question yourself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're all great, but uh, certainly I think Porsches are just a cool, cool car and really fun to drive. Okay. Cigars, Cuban versus Nicaraguan. Wally's actually not much of a cigar smoker at all. So, you know, being in Canada, we have access to Cuban. We're going to stick with that. One of the key ones for everybody, your fashion sense. So you guys are both very keen fashion sense. Prada versus Gucci. (laughs) Well, I I think the name brand era is now passed, but I still get emails from Prada at the uh, Crystal Shopping Complex in Vegas. So I'm going to go with Prada. Yeah, and it's so funny. Like the one thing that came out of COVID, it just like, you know, again, I used to love fashion, but I don't know. I just don't care anymore. In fact, I just recently bought a pair of shoes. I don't even know what brand they were, $80. But before that, I actually thought Prada made very fine quality shoes. They would last for years and years. So if I had between Gucci and Prada, I'd probably go Prada. Okay. Wally's now changed his Canali pants for fig scrub. So <laughs> it's, it's certainly a different world. I'd, I'd have to agree. The fig scrubs are quite nice. Yeah. 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 And last one, hip hop versus electronic music. I'm going to go EDM. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't get EDM. I don't get electronic <laughs> music at all. I've tried. I don't get it. And so definitely, definitely hip hop. And Zirconia versus Emacs. Look, really, I don't know how we're friends. We have nothing in common. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, we'd like to really thank you for coming on uh, and sharing your wealth of knowledge, Wally. That was fantastic. And, and once again, for those of you who are interested at the Dental Wine Guy is Wally's Instagram handle. It's certainly worth a follow. And Wally has a really innovative program right now with Dense Serona called Thrive. So for those of you who may be interested in single-visit chair-side dentistry, what the PrimeScan system can offer, uh, he's running the Canadian program. So reach out to your local rep. You can take it from the comfort of your home. He's actually in the comfort of his home uh, wearing pants, so don't worry about that. 